0: Hello and welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele.
1: I'm Joey Boudreau.
0: I'm Sarah Blakemore. Coming up on The Gifted Life today,
1: we'll be talking to a wonderful lady who rose to fame on American Idol and brought donation to the forefront. Find out why here. Mm,
2: Okay. We're also going to be talking about how to deal with the exhaustion of in-person socialization. Coming up, all that and more right here at thegiftedlife.org.
0: on the Gifted Life podcast. We are so excited. We have a star mm-hmm. joining us, Althea Do Not Judge My Singing. How are you?
3: <laughs> I'm wonderful. How are you guys?
0: Good. You? This is Althea Grace from American Idol Fame. That's how you got your start. That's how we learned about you. Um how are you feeling today? I'm
3: doing wonderful. I'm
0: wonderful. Oh, so amazing. Uh we were sitting here in the podcast studio and we were talking about when we first saw you on TV, beautiful, bubbly, smooth, comfortable on camera at you know 21 years of age. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, we're gonna listen to some songs and everything's gonna be great and then boom, your life story hit Aww. and it was like <laughs> you have traveled uh, this journey that you shared with the world and are sharing now with us and we just thought, Whoa! We have to talk to her. Mm-hmm. So, thank you so much for for joining us. Let's talk about that donation um, component uh, in the little miracle in your life.
3: Yeah. Um. So I have, uh, I have a two-year-old daughter. Her name's Lennon. Um. And she was diagnosed with a genetic disorder when she was ten months old, and, um, her genetic disorder is called tuberous sclerosis and. Um it's a pretty rare genetic disorder. Um, hers was a new mutation, so neither her dad nor I have it. Um so it was just uh our our doctor likes to say that we won the we won the lottery of genetic disorders. Oh, goodness. Um mm-hmm. because uh, you know, it's it's not, not a fun, easy road, but um it's a beautiful community of people um who are so supportive. Um but so because of her genetic disorder, she has tubers in that can grow in any organ system. Um, she was born with brain tumors, uh, heart and kidney and her brain tumors, uh, cause seizures and she's actually been seizure free for quite a while. It's hard to put a date on it, but probably a few months now, um, without any, um, but the doctors came to the conclusion that her um anti-seizure medication caused her to go into liver failure. Mm. Mm. Um so in twenty twenty, um we basically uh we were on a I'm from Chicago. Um I lived in LA at one point, went back to Chicago, um, and came back to LA to visit some family. And literally the day before we were supposed to fly home, she woke up one day and she just wasn't feeling well. Um, she threw up uh she was just kind of acting a little weird and i just thought it was normal like baby behavior um you know they babies throw up on you all all the time mm-hmm. um, right and oh. so you know we were like okay give her a bath you know she'll feel better she had no fever no, no other symptoms and then um so we decided to still go visit our friends and we walked out the door of our airbnb that we were staying in And she threw up bile. Um, So it was Mm -hmm. like, I mean, it was neon. Like, I've never seen anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the first time I was like, okay, this seems weird. And she started to act kind of funny. So we took her to urgent care thinking maybe she's having seizures. It's making her throw up. And uh, they checked her out and were like, yeah, you, you need to take her to the children's hospital. Like, she needs an MRI. She needs to be seen. And, um, mind you, again, she woke up totally normal, um, and was just progressively getting worse over the course of the day. Um, so we brought her to the children's hospital in Los Angeles. Um, and by the time we got there, she hadn't, um, I was still nursing. She hadn't nursed all day. Um, she was really lethargic. She was just kind of like wimp. She's also, this kid never cries, let me tell you. Mm. Like, she has mm. never been a crier. And she was just whimpering in my arms. Mm. And she was getting stiff. She was mm. lethargic. And so the doctors were like, okay, we need a cat skin. We need to like check for meningitis. We need to do all this stuff. And uh, I mean, by the by an absolute miracle, the ED doctor thought to run her liver enzymes, and they were I mean, like, I I can't remember the exact numbers. But when he came and told me, I was like, oh, this is bad. Like, mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was really, really bad. He came he came in. He's like, I think she's in liver failure. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what's happening. She also, like, she wasn't jaundiced yet. She had no other things that would indicate that. Um, and, yeah, then we ended up spending the next, we spent six days in the ICU with her. Um, she, uh, she got immediately put up. It was like, they told us she was in liver failure. And then within hours we were meeting transplant doctors. They were evaluating us to see if we were, uh, I didn't know that they do this, but they evaluate like the whole family to see if it's something you can handle, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: which was, that was my, you know, they're like asking us questions about like, you know, what, what we do, what our relationship is like, like all these things. And, um, they put her on the list. She was status one, a, um, and thank God I did not look up what that meant mm. until after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. um, yeah. and so they, they had her on the transplant list for two days and she was on, uh, dialysis like ECMO. Um, she was intubated. She was, uh, in a, she was in a coma. She was, you know, not sedated at all. Um, and, uh, after two days, they actually took her off the transplant list. Um, they told us she was too sick to have surgery. Um, there was a point where she, she had like two central lines an arterial line PIVs, like all this stuff. And, um, her arterial line was to watch her blood pressure. And there was a point where I saw it hit 40 over 18. And I was Mm. like, is there even blood pumping in her butt? Like how can you hit that low? Yeah. Um, so they took her off the transplant list for two days, put her back on once they got her stable enough. And um, on January 15th, 2020, we went. we were sleeping in her ICU room. And I remember sitting by her bed and being like, you know I, I the doctors told me she wasn't going to make it i sat by her bed and i was just like i love you it is okay if you're not if if you don't want to hang on any longer like i i i it's okay like i'm going to be okay you do what you got to do went to bed and within 2 hours our nurse woke us up and she's like hey i i have a phone call for you and i was like okay she hands me her nursing phone and they're like we found a liver Um, it's high risk. Mm. Um, there was uh, a history of like intravenous drug use and I woke her dad up and I was like, it's high risk. I'm saying yes, I don't care. Yeah. um Sure. (laughs) Well, and then
0: aren't you early 20s yeah so I'm I'm going through this roller coaster with you as you're telling me and I'm like oh my goodness yeah. like right. what is happening like did you know
3: about donation like what what's going through your heart and your brain yeah I mean I had London when I was I was 19 um and then I turned 20 she got diagnosed with her genetic disorder and mm-hmm. already that kind of like flipped my world upside down I was like oh my god I had this like perfectly healthy baby. Uh, sorry to backtrack a little bit. I didn't know I was pregnant with her either mm. until I was seven months pregnant. Wow. Um, so, Surprise. you know, it was yeah. like, I'm, a, I'm young, I didn't know I was pregnant. Uh, was like, Okay, I'm having a baby. I had this perfectly healthy baby. Um, I was actually I took her on the road for a while. Um, she got diagnosed with this genetic disorder. And now they're like, okay, your, your baby's going to die if she doesn't get a liver transplant. And hmm. actually, um, back in, God, my grandmother passed away in 2012, so it must have been like the early 2000s. My grandma had a liver transplant,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, but very similar thing. It was like, um, she was actually, um, she abused alcohol, killed her liver, mm-hmm. um, and was at the very, very, very bottom of the list. Um, and she actually got a liver that was, I believe, high risk as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the only reason she even got it was that nobody else wanted it kind of a thing. Um, and yeah, so when, when they told me that my one year old was needing a liver transplant, I was like, but like old people get liver transplants. like alcoholics get liver transplants. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so it was, this was a brand new thing to me. Um, I recently looked at the stats, too, and uh, she was one of 500 liver transplants, uh, pediatric liver transplants last year. Mm -hmm. So that's crazy to think, like, you know, two two children every day of last year got a transplant.
1: So Althea. So I'm uh, a new father myself. You know, I have a six month old and I'm in my late 40s with my first baby. And yeah. I've been in the transplant world and the donation world for 18, 20 years. And I'm very inspired and in awe at the way you were able to process and handle everything that was thrown your way. Because I, I can tell you firsthand, there's no way I would be as strong as you uh, in that same situation. And I'm, uh, it's it's incredible hearing you talking about it. Uh, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm wondering, so, of course, you had the the experience with your grandmother in the past, but again, you were young. You know, you were a child at the time, so obviously, understanding the the entire the entirety of of transplant and donation and how that works, you know, wasn't really at your forefront back then. I'm wondering when they you know told you that she would need a transplant. If you know, like, how difficult was that to process for you? Uh, you know, knowing that it's might be a baby that's going to be dying, you know, and, and all of those things that go with that.
3: Yeah. I think that the, you know, I, uh, it's a very, very helpless feeling. Um, you know, like when they told me she was in liver failure immediately, like I, I'm also, my dad's, my dad's in science. My dad uh, has a degree in chemistry and, um, I've always been very, you know, uh, like I was raised by, like, two highly educated people who Mm -hmm. very much so are, like, research and research and, like, you know, they like to know everything about everything. So, you know, immediately I'm like, okay, what can we do? What what could be the cause of this? Because that was the other thing. They had no idea what the cause was. And, um, you know, at least when you know what the cause is, there are other things that you can, you know, try to do to slow down the process. Right. Um, But they had no idea what was causing it so there's no way to slow down that process when you have no fix um, and so for me it was like um you know i not to negate not in any way to negate a father's role but there's something like i mean literally biologically and chemically that that clicks when you have when you're a mom and you give birth and you have a baby and so you know, every single time we've gotten these like terrible, di- you know, these scary diagnoses, it's like something has always just kicked in, um, where I'm like, okay, this is what we have to do. Like, mm-hmm. how do we do it? What do we do? And, um, I have to say, like now being a year and a half out, there are some, now it's, it's, things have come up where I'm like, okay, like I need to like, you know, go to some therapy and do some healing and like, let go of some of that PTSD that like in the moment, um, I just didn't process, like, I just was like, okay, I I can't think about, you know, myself, like I was not putting my oxygen mask on first. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, in that saying, like, Mm -hmm. I, in that moment, I was like, all right, what do I do for Lennon? And so when they told me she was in liver failure, immediately, I was like, okay, livers regenerate, I can donate what, Mm -hmm. like partial liver, like, let's do it right now um and first of all they were like you know we strongly discourage the parent who's going to be taking care of uh the child post-transplant to be the one to donate Mm -hmm. um but then also like lennon's liver was 95 percent corroded um so she needed a full liver and i remember when they you know when they told me that it was like i I was like so a baby has to die like Mm. you know like somebody else has to lose their baby for for me to to keep mine like you know how do you reconcile with that Um, it ended up being an adult actually who passed away Um, and so they basically you know shape her liver an adult liver back down to an infant size Mm. Um, and funny enough actually when she came out of Transplant, and um, sh- they were pumping her full of enough sedation that would have like knocked me out for a week. But mm-hmm. because she has this adult liver, yeah, it, it was presses. working so much faster. Um, but there was still definitely like you know she's too young to have these feelings. But like for me, I feel like I had survivor's guilt if that makes sense. Um, like it it wasn't me who survived or went through it, but um, you know, being uh the pediatric ICU is a terrible place to be. Mm-hmm. I never want it we've been there three times now, three separate stays, and I never want to step foot in one ever again. Um and they were my whole family flew out and spent the week in the hospital with us and this was just prior to COVID, by the way, so we got so lucky that this happened Three months before COVID started, so I was able to have my whole family out here, um, and you know it was like our family, like you know, fifteen people all day every day at a table in the cafeteria next to two other families doing the same thing, you know, and uh, two of the other families that we were spending time around that week lost their lost their kids mm-hmm. while we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the kid in the room next to us, um, died while we were in the hospital. Um, so I mean that like, yeah, the, all of the things that go along with, um, you know, it's like the greatest joy in the world for them to save your child. But there's a lot of, uh, you know, guilt and like sadness that also comes with that for sure.
1: So many things that you discussed, we've discussed or or that happened to you we've discussed on a number of episodes and they all happened to you. Like at one time, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, you you, you talked about her getting so sick and, and being a status one, a, you know, and for the, for the listeners, you know, basically that puts you at the top of the list because you are the sickest person Mm -hmm. that's, that's uh, of that size at that time in, in the nation. So you have hours to live and you talked about, you know, her decompensating, you know to the point where your blood pressure her blood pressure was 40 over 18 and then she was too sick mm-hmm. to transmit because of course we've talked about it before you know you have to be strong enough right. to be able to survive the surgery itself so so you know people think well if you're status 1A you should stay on the list but but you know you have to actually get pulled off for and be inactive for a minute mm-hmm. you know until you can get strong stronger again and then you talked about the increased risk thing which is interesting because i have so often like when when people people call, contact me because of my role you know so i'll get i'll get contacted by random not random but different people in the community uh, friends that uh, of family or friends of uh, friends that uh, that know that i'm in in the donation world and they ask me you know look uh, i'm i have to be put on the list what do i you know what are the big things that you would suggest. And the first thing that I tell everyone is say yes to increased risk. Yeah. Because it's scary. And what it is, is it's increased risk for uh, receiving an organ that may have hepatitis C, Mm -hmm. hepatitis B and HIV. And uh, but the thing is, we we do testing that cuts that window down that you may be infected down to just a week or two. So you would have had to like the donor would have had to have had have just gotten infected within the past few days
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and then transmit. And and then, of course, as we all know, you know, now, you know, if you can live with HIV, right? right? You know, li- P- Magic Johnson's still alive. You know, my favorite basketball player of all mm-hmm. time, 1992. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 1991 to 1992 is when he found out and I thought that he was a death sentence and he's still doing great. Hepatitis C has a cure mm-hmm. and hepatitis oh. B has a vaccine. You know, so the biggest things, you know, so for you, I'm so happy that you were able to to say yes to that increased risk because that's what my, my other statement is oftentimes that's the last offer that you get. Mm. So, yeah, uh, I mean,
3: we didn't even think that one, you know, we were right. I mean, told that, you know, a doctor looked at me in the eyes and was like, this is probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and um, actually, I'm planning to go on. Um, the the donor's family actually lives oh. not too far from us so uh wow. gonna meet them very soon wow. um, and oh. like i get like choked up every time i even think about it like you know what do you say to like mom to mom like what do you you know what do you say how do you react to that but yeah it's like you know at, at the end of the day um you know people people die And Mm -hmm. people are going to die every day. And, you know, that was a thought we had, too, where we're like, okay, at least if Lennon doesn't make it, another baby who's in her situation maybe can be saved by Mm -hmm. her passing. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's like that there is so much beauty in like uh, because I was like, oh, my God, another person's baby has to die. And I'm like, but you know what? Everybody's journey is their own and it's going to happen regardless. And, you know, that was so meant to be for us um, you know, like that risk is so worth the reward. Um, where I was like, I'm, you know, obviously also they test the organ right away. Like they know that, you know, there's, there's not those things. They'll tell you if, you know, if the organ has, you know, this and this and that, um, the risk is still there. Of course it can show up later, you know, all those things, but, um, yeah, it's like, also if we had flown home to Chicago, you know, that, that liver that we got out here wouldn't have been available there it's like all right. those things line up for a reason and exactly. they're meant to be you know in that way and like the the woman who passed away who lennon got her liver like she was um she was like a songwriter she mm. was like in the music she was wow. like an artist wow. like all these things where it's like when her parents are telling me this i'm like how how beautiful is that That right. like you know the not only you know lennon has like music in her blood but you know now also like you know this person that's a part of her forever also was like an artist and into music and like it's just incredible
2: yeah and you mentioned speaking of music because you were on American Idol and you sang for everyone an original song and correct me if I'm wrong but did you didn't you write that song while you were in the hospital with Lennon
3: yeah, I wrote. Well, uh, yeah, I wrote it actually. Um, I wrote it right after the the first time we got out of the hospital. So our first stay was three and a half months long. Um, our second stay was about a month and a half, and then like you know intermittent stays after that. Um, but the the first time we came home, she actually came home. I basically like um like the only other thing now that I can think of that I'd want to do besides music is actually nursing um, because when Sounds she like came halfway home, there. <laughs> you know, all the it, scores and the terminology. And- yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, all, there are things that I had to do at home that the nurses on the floor didn't even know, like didn't even learn how to do those things
2: mm-hmm. in nursing school.
3: You know, it's like, so she came home with a, a central line and was getting all of her nutrition via IV nutrition when we went home. And, um, you know, she was still like, she was still sick after her transplant like she still had she had major complications she was having a a really hard time um and the song that i wrote was like you know i had i had started it in the hospital thinking like you know lennon is not going to make it and these are all the things that i would have done with her that i wish i would have done with her on the last you know if that was our last day together um And then I continued writing it just thinking about how um, how like my world flipped upside down where it was like, you know, sometimes when you're a mom, especially when you um, like I've always been I've always been like a stay at home mom plus working. So it's Mm -hmm. like I'm home with her all day, (laughs) but I'm still then at night going out and doing, you know, like gigs and things. Um, And you know, like you get frustrated as a parent. Sometimes you're like, sure. I just want to (laughs) like sleep in until 11am. Like last night I was at, I was at an event until like three in the morning. I still wake up at Mm -hmm. (laughs) 8am. You know, I, I have an alarm clock that goes off no matter what I do. Um, and you know, sometimes you wake up and you're like, I don't want to have to sit here and like pour this kid cereal and like, take her to the park and like you know sometimes it's just tedious um Mm -hmm. and now I have such a different perspective where every day I wake up and try to wake up with the mindset that oh I get to wake up and Mm -hmm. do those things like I I get to wake up and you know now it's I mean now it's like being a mom plus being a nurse So it's like I wait I get to wake up and do all her meds I get Mm -hmm. to wake up and take care of her I get to wake up and make sure that she's safe and healthy and and happy and like i you know i get to do all those things instead of having saying oh i have to do this i have to do that mm-hmm.
0: yeah i love that Which is-
3: song um
0: it Thank you. Saturday morning, you, obviously you can Google it because she's everywhere. Um, but you talk about making breakfast, rocking to sleep, and yeah. the thing that really touched me and is like chills down the spine when you say like, shoes on feet, uh, because some of our uh, recipient moms' um, babies were diagnosed so little, and they said we just never knew if we would be able to buy shoes if yeah. we'd walk out of here and be able yeah. to put shoes on their feet. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like um, so your song, you're up on stage, um, and y- it's like familiar to people, you know, across the country, the things that you're going through and the things that you're singing about. And I assume that's part of your therapy too, is writing uh, and performing and singing.
3: Absolutely. I mean, the, the songs that I wrote, um, there's another song actually that I wrote that like, um, I actually wrote it during that first week um, that she was sick, like before the transplant, before we knew she was going to get one, like when I thought that she was just, you know, dying, um, and I was sitting there writing this song, and I had no idea, like, um, normally I'm so clear-headed about what I'm writing about, and I was writing this song, and I was like, I I don't even know what this is about, like, I, I'm i so confused, like, where this is coming from, and I realized, basically, like, the song, the song is, it's called L.A. County, and um. It was basically being like, I felt like I was channeling Lennon and I was singing from her perspective where she was being like, you know, being in LA has never been anything but scary and hard. And maybe this one time being here can, can become a blessing and like, please just like bring me out of this, you know, this pain that I've experienced here. Um, yeah. So it's, it's been a really, it's a. I always say, I'm like, I don't know what the heck people do who don't write songs or don't have like a creative outlet. Cause, like, for me, that's, I mean, that's the way that I'm able to like fully process mm-hmm. the things that I'm experiencing. Mm.
0: And then, um, I know that she's still little, but have you thought about, um, how to help her honor her donor, understand donation? Are we to that part yet?
3: Yeah. So we, um, it was, uh, Donate Life ha- posted about, uh, like, uh, Donor Remembrance Day the other day, mm-hmm. um, and so we actually, when you walk into my apartment, um, there's there's this, like, blank wall that's small. It's maybe, like, two feet wide, and it's right in between, um, like, the hallway and the kitchen, and on that wall, the only thing hanging up on the wall is a, the framed letter from the donor's parents. And it was a letter from them with a picture of her. Mm. And we have that hanging up on the wall. Um, and uh, like around that wall too, I um, I like to do like daily affirmations with Lennon. Um, and so I'll write them out, we'll talk about them and I'll put them put up on the wall, like on sticky notes. Um, and just every so often, you know, I'll bring Lennon up to the, to the frame and just be like, do you know who that is? And, you know, kind of tell her the story. And the other day when it was donor remembrance day, I woke up with her and um, just like told her about the story. You know, I don't know how much she understands yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I want to start that conversation early too. Um, you know, because the other thing is so many people will like um, I like to post pictures of her with her scars and like with her, her, you know, she has like her her big surgery scar and she has all these scars on her chest from her central lines and she has a G tube and all these things And I remember when she got her transplant, people being like, Oh, that poor girl, like that nasty scar. And I was like, I told my friends and family, I was like, you know what? I, I I say this in the kindest way. I don't want you to say that Mm -hmm. anymore. I don't want you to speak that way about it because the thing that I like to talk and, start the conversation now with Lennon is like that scar that you have because I have I have surgery scars I have um, I had a c-section with Lennon so I have a nice big scar from that mm-hmm. um, and I like to talk to her about that that it's like um, you know starting young starting with her being so young having her understand that what she went through was beautiful and like absolutely incredible and Um, yeah, I mean, even if she doesn't understand it yet, at least just always having that open conversation with her so that she can, you know, really understand like the beauty of what she went through and not many people go through that in their lifetime, you know, she's uh, a baby And, and also too, you know, she was one when she had her transplant, um, and the likelihood of her needing another one day is high or, um, you know, needing other interventions to deal with having a transplanted liver or high. you know she went into rejection this year when she got sick um, and so, yeah, and definitely like keeping that conversation with her very open and very honest already
0: now. Uh, I love that. y'all are so cute she's she's cute,, Aww. you're precious, just love Aww. it. um, we were having a bet in here about <laughs> her name. <laughs> mm-hmm was she named after anybody famous come on come on she
3: was named after john lennon <laughs> told ya, you win. told you
0: <laughs> yeah well, we figured. I figured
3: i had a list of names um actually all musical names funny enough mm. um i had uh if she was a girl lennon or marley
2: mm. um, or a couple
3: my parents almost named me marley as well mm. and that's where i got that name um so Lennon or Marley, if she was a girl, and then, which she is, um, if she was a boy, um, Miles, um, for both Miles Davis and Buddy Miles, um, and then uh, Jude after hey jude by hey <laughs> yeah we, we all sing not a, not as
0: great as, as you sing no. so we're not gonna <laughs> bore you with that but um uh, what are you guys um up to uh i'm assuming she's she's on an upswing we hope and then what's going on in your life
3: yeah she's doing really great she um she still has like you know just post honestly still post transplant things to deal with she's got some feeding issues that we're still working on she has a g-tube um and we're just really focusing on getting her to a place where she can um um I hate the word normal like get to what Mm -hmm. her normal will Mm -hmm. look like Mm -hmm. um get you know whatever that's gonna look like for her Um but you know she's absolutely insane she's like the most rowdy two-year-old ever she dances all (laughs) she dances all day long she just wants to like uh, she wants to do parkour all over my apartment <laughs> and um, she's an animal. And then <laughs> uh, for me, I guess, you know, the big thing is uh, trying to like overcome the pandemic um, and uh, hopefully get some shows going soon. Um, I'm not holding out too much hope um, for this year, um, but really starting to get back into the swing of things, um, put out some more music Um yeah, just just trying to put out a lot, a lot more music for everybody. Uh, well, we are
0: fans. We want to follow you. If our listeners also want to follow you, support you, uh, where, where do we send them?
3: Um, everything is Althea Grace Music, um, just like Instagram, Facebook, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, my website as well. It's all Althea Grace Music.
0: Awesome. Well, we'd love to have you guys back um, when Lennon is talking. We'd love to talk
3: to her. Oh oh my goodness! Keep in (laughs) touch.
0: We would love to do that. Follow your career as well. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for putting donation um, on the worldwide stage. Um, We just thought you were you were perfect.
3: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. It's really beautiful to um, to American Idol has really allowed me to like connect with so many people who understand uh this world so i'm i'm really honored that you guys asked me to to come on and that you guys are doing this as well it's really beautiful
0: On the Gifted Life
2: Guys, we always take a moment for mental health.
1: Yes, and I am eager to find out what Sarah's got prepared for us today.
2: Uh Uh-oh, what is it, Sarah? Okay, guys, today we're going to talk about how to prepare for our post-pandemic socialization. (gasps) Finally. It's coming. It's here. Are we excited? Is there a new normal
1: or a regular normal?
2: It's going to be a totally new normal because I think we're not going to, I don't think we're ever going to go back to like how it was before, but we're going to see some similarities including in-person socialization. In-person? Oh. Can ready? you imagine? What? It's going to be so that? awkward at first. <laughs> like, I think we yeah. all forgot how to converse effectively in person. <laughs> why are you looking at <laughs> well, me? Why are you looking at me? Well, it's true. You know why. It's happened.
0: <laughs> <No>. It's happened.
2: <laughs> exactly. It's really hard. And I think not just, you know, like socialization, but I think we have to recognize that a lot of energy that we weren't using in terms of when we're remote communicating is it's back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to get up a little bit earlier to get ready to go to work. It's going to take a lot of energy to get to this new um, normal that we're about to experience. And I'm really excited about it. Mm -hmm. But I think I I was hoping to give you all some tips on how to pace it out a little bit so that we don't burn ourselves out and get exhausted right away. I'm ready for those. (laughs) So first is to just recognize that it is there's going to be some extra energy um, it takes to be in person and socialize again. So just recognize that and give yourself a little bit of a break. Take it one step at a time. Um, Start small. We're about to have to do small talk again. Yeah. Do you all remember that? Mm. Yep.
1: (laughs) I love it. I mean, I'm so. You're so good at it too. Well, because I'm tired of the Zoom and 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 the the the, the virtuals, and you know, it's it's fun to be able to get back and have normal conversations. To me, it's it's challenging, especially working. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, again, we work in regions and Mm -hmm. and not seeing some staff that I would have normally seen multiple times a year, and there are some that. I was I hired over a year ago that I haven't even really met in person Yeah, right. because of, you know, because of everything with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, I can't wait.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's not as overwhelming for me because I feel like just everybody's in the same boat. Like everybody's mm-hmm. in the same boat. No, you know, we're all at the same mm-hmm. level. And so we are all going to have those growing <laughs> pains, right? Yes. So it's not as overwhelming as. Uh,
2: I, I guess now that I think about knowing it. knowing that we're all yeah. in this together and we're all going to be taking it one day at a mm-hmm. time. But essentially, like we've, you know, our mentally we have adjusted to conversing remotely. And so mm-hmm. now I think just recognize that that it's go- there's going to be some exhaustion. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of, um, I guess, you're going to be tired from talking physically in person and all that stuff. So give yourself prioritize some downtime. Mm -hmm. prioritize some time that you don't have to converse too much where you can you know just kind of check out a little bit and um, know that that's okay Mm -hmm. we're all going to experience it at one point Um, the need to check out a Mm -hmm. little bit so just recognize that and just talk about the process especially with kids I feel like young kids during the pandemic had a lot less stimulus than we had when we were growing up because we were out and about in the grocery store lots of sounds, things that we had, the kids today aren't going to have. So just make sure you talk it through with them. Tell them how, you know, it's a little bit overwhelming for you as well. Make sure that they know that they can verbalize their feelings if they're feeling overwhelmed to tell you by all the stimulus they're receiving. And guys, just take it day by day. Give yourself some downtime.
1: I still feel like kids are so resilient. Mm -hmm. And they're they're going to adjust better than we anticipate like we always mm-hmm. we always set certain expectations for kids and then how often do they exceed those you know it's <laughs> right. like oh yes. well that was a lot you know but more you, difficult for me so if just, you
2: have kid, but if you have kids with sensory issues yeah right you know know that they're about to get a lot of sensory information that they were not receiving for a year so just prepare yourself prepare them And I think just give ourselves a break and know that, you know, we have adjusted so much to communication, even Lori, like I know your kids are back in school, Mm -hmm. but they still have a mask on, kids aren't reading lips, you know, the whole, there's going to be a whole different way that we have to adjust our brains back to the full communication style.
1: A lot of the nonverbal type Mm -hmm. stuff, facial expressions and stuff have been completely taken out of communication and will be (laughs) reintroduced after a year of nothing. For me, it's not even just that. It's like new boundaries, new expectations Mm, and things like, you Do you shake hands now? Right. Are you back to that? It's weird. Like, uh, kind of do I shake hands, do I fist bump? You know, people I haven't seen in a a year, I want to give them a hug, but I can't. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so those are different expectations that I, you know, in the past was a normal thing. That I've re- got to reset my my brain a little bit because yeah. you know until this completely fizzles out, you know we we probably won't be that in- invading that intimate space and in- inside yeah. of those six feet mm-hmm. hugging and things like that.
0: Yeah, I felt bad walking to the first public place without the mask when you know it was allowed it's and, weird. and so I was like, wait, is this okay? Is this right? right? Am I gonna I get in tr- <laughs> trouble? It's it, it's hard to adjust to for sure right. for adults. So I'm sure children. Um, You know,
2: know, just start small. Make sure you recognize that your brain is about to go through some changes to readjust. Mm. So just give yourself that uh, recovery time.
0: Got it. All right, guys. You have a topic you'd like Sarah to cover. All you have to do is email us info at thegiftedlife.org. in our question and answer segment today, Joe, this one's coming your way. Are there special considerations made in the world of donation uh, when it comes to an adult versus a pediatric patient?
1: It's a great question, and and yes, there are. And the reason is that obviously there are many more adult donors, right, than than pediatric donors. Fortunately, obviously there are many less uh, pediatric deaths. So, because of that, the the biggest consideration when we're talking about matching is size. Obviously, we talked about you know in the past, you know the the matching with blood type and all that too. But then then you get down to size. So, if a person is more of that size of a pediatric, uh, potential recipient, then pediatric, uh, recipients are prioritized based on the list. Like the list, the policy, uh, prioritizes the the, the pediatric. Mm. uh, recipients in those situations because they just don't have as many opportunities as adults do to to receive those organs.
2: Well, that makes sense. Um, If you have a question for us, please give us a call at 504-648-3477. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today, we honor Austin Richards.
1: And this comes from his family. Austin was a very loving and giving young man in life as much as in death. He would give anyone the room he slept in, the clothes he wore, the job he had, if he knew it would help them. He always took what he was doing and gave 110% and did it as well as he could. Some of his greatest loves were fishing and building and he was always learning. His ventures have brought us many laughs, and he'll always be my honeybee keeper.
0: And now we pause and say thank you to Austin for the gift of life. episode 163 of the gifted life. Remember, you can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. And if you're listening and we're moved to register as an organ tissue and eye donor, you can do that anytime. registerme.org.
1: And wow. Wow, if, yes. If that didn't inspire mm-hmm. uh, special thanks to Althea Grace and and sharing Lennon with us and how I mentioned wonderful lady in the in the beginning and I think I understated that. quite a bit what a wonderful person she was just so grounded she was Mm -hmm. so mature to 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 think in those difficult dark times that that she was able to keep everything into perspective like she did is is amazing I said uh, it's the truth I me as a 40 whatever year old uh (laughs) new dad that I am you know I I can't see me being that uh mature about that Mm -hmm. in that in that situation an artist yeah a
0: Shelly. literal
2: rock star mom yep
0: i love it and i live on, on the big stage too and she was so comfortable sharing and talking about it and wanting to start those positive conversations which is what we talk about here on The Gifted Life. Mm -hmm. So we hope to have her back. Uh, And like we said, when Lennon's talking, wouldn't that be cute? Um, Mm -hmm. Just to learn um, from this family as well.
2: All right, guys, if you liked what you heard, go ahead and follow us and listen on any platform that you listen to your podcasts, whether it's Apple, Google, or Spotify. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating so others can find us.
0: All right, on social, Facebook, we're The Gifted Life Podcast, Twitter and Instagram, at Gifted Life Pod. And we hope that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us Make life happen. We're one big team. Until next time. This is a production of Lopa, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Caraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.